Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 197 of Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, my co-host is Doug Harp, the managing partner of Momenta's advisory practice. Doug and I are very pleased to host Neil Kaz, founder and CEO of Geotab, the leading provider of fleet telematics solutions in North America. Neil founded Geotab in 2000 with a singular purpose, to create technology for organizations to unlock the fleet vehicle data needed to empower critical business decisions. A true engineer at heart, Neil brings to Geotab more than three decades of proven success as an entrepreneur, software developer, product visionary, and business leader. As CEO, Neil is responsible for setting the mission, values, and strategy that have propelled Geotab into a position of global leader in telematics. Neil has shown a strong aptitude for identifying major technology and business shifts and taking advantage of those changes early on, which is demonstrated by Geotab's strong growth and inclusion, including a mention in the Financial Times, the America's fastest growing companies in 2022. Prior to Geotab, Neil co-founded and was CEO of Vercom, a South African-based software solution company, which was sold in 1999. Neil has received many accolades for his business leadership, including in 2015, the Ernest & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in Ontario. Neil holds a BSc of Engineering Electrical from the University of Walderstand in Johannesburg. Neil, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ken and Doug. It's great to be here. I saw this interesting idea for podcasts, and I really appreciate an opportunity to talk to your listeners. Well, thank you. And I must say, when we talk about digital industry, the idea of connecting mobile assets is absolutely core to it. And I'd say there's probably very few who have exemplified and really advanced this space as Geotab has. So we are greatly looking forward to this conversation. You know, we call this the Digital Thread Podcast, and the idea is to talk about one's own digital thread, otherwise uh, one or more thematic threads that define their digital industry journey. What would you consider to be your digital thread, Neil? Yeah, so I thought about this question. Now, I imagine a thread is something that kind of connects all of the digital work that I've been involved in in my career. And so, I mean, it's interesting to kind of reflect on this. I really like the idea. Yeah, so to me, one of the things that I think is the most important is to look at advancements that happen in the world around you and to be able to pick the most important and significant ones. And, you know, it's basically the difference between NFT and chat GPT, right? It's saying, what are the things that are going to really matter? And what are the things that are just kind of noise and are going to disappear? And when I look back and reflect on that, I think it dates me. But when I look back, Right in my early days, you know, realizing very quickly that the efficiency that you can get by using email as opposed to the old day, which was kind of mail and post, and then realizing the impact that the internet was going to have, then understanding software as a service, right? So the idea, you know, that you have a subscription revenue and then completely moving everything to the cloud, not having any servers of your own and moving to be completely cloud native 
thinking about it. And then progressing on to, for example, IoT and the importance of collecting data, because one of the trends that we started seeing happen was to understand that data was we knew was going to change everything. And, you know, you cannot be good at analyzing data if you don't have the data in the first place. And so that was kind of one of the themes that I had right from the beginning, which was, let's just start by collecting the data. We can't manage what we don't measure. And so we need to be able to measure this data. And so that's really kind of the core of why, you know, started uh, Geotap per se. And then once you have the data, now you can start leveraging all this amazing stuff like big data and AI. And so really tying all of these threads together is taking all these amazing technologies, which you know are going to be game-changing, digital technologies, and then figuring out how they solve customers' problems. And so I really do think if I kind of reflect on that, it's almost looking in a crystal ball, right? It's your job as the CEO of a company or as an entrepreneur to try and just get a little bit of an edge on everybody else and think about what is the stuff that's truly going to impact our world in a major way. And that typically tends to be technology, right? Because that's where the advancements are happening. And, you know, my speciality is obviously around digital. So it's really getting to understand that. And those were the interesting kind of threads along the way that I think have really defined the changes and the businesses I've been involved in. And speaking of those businesses, for the audience's sake, you are a serial entrepreneur. So this isn't your first rodeo per se. And so I know we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about Geotab because what a great success has been. But I'd like to go back and just talk about your first successful startup briefly, Vercom. How did your time there as CEO prepare you for Geotab? Now we're really going back a little bit there. I must say there was an important part of kind of learning. I remember I was an engineer who knew a lot about machines and software. But honestly, when you go out of university, you have little preparation for kind of the real world how to start a company, how to hire and manage people, you know, even things like the importance of marketing and sales. You know, as an engineer, you think the world revolves around technology and products, and you don't realize that you can have the best products in the world. And if you don't know how to sell and market them, you don't get them in front of people. And then you make mistakes. And boy, did I make enough mistakes along the way. But yeah, that really does help to kind of as a test bed and prepared me nicely for Geotap. Wow, that's fantastic, Neil. As Ken said, we'll probably spend most of the time on Geotab. And as kind of as we move into that topic, I think your story of starting Geotab and how you bootstrapped it really in a VC era is something that's quite significant. And now I think you've reached over 3 million vehicles under management. So maybe you could take us through kind of that story and how you have accomplished it and kind of maybe buck the system a little bit in becoming a market leader in technology, bootstrapping it. Yeah, certainly. It is a little bit of an interesting story. So as you guys can hear from my funny accent, and you mentioned before, I was originally born in South Africa, uh, where I did my engineering degree. And then around 2000, decided to sell the company because we wanted to get married and have kids and decided, you know, we wanted to leave to do that. And that's really, you know, arriving in North America, we started Geotab really as a family business to help the family come into Canada and really get started. And so the original intent was not to go out there and make as much money as we could and be as successful as we could. The kind of foundation of it was to, we're starting again and we're trying to help the family get going. So we had this kind of weird philosophy and the philosophy was, let's measure our own success in terms of profit per person, not in terms of total profits. That meant the more we hired, the worse our number got, even if our profit stayed the same. And so it's kind of a bizarre look at it. 
And the reason was we wanted to keep things simple. We didn't want to have lots of people and make it complicated. And that was kind of perversely ended up helping us be where we are today because what it meant is that we had to outsource everything. We outsourced our office space, our manufacturing. We even outsourced sales and marketing to partners who represented Geotab. And this effectively created an ecosystem for Geotab, which today is one of our strongest points. We have thousands of companies that make their living out of offering consulting, selling Geotab, offering add-ons and services around Geotab. And so that really helps. Now, I was lucky enough to have Vercom in South Africa, which I'd sold, you know, a couple of million dollars, came over to North America. And I do remember, you know, kind of around the 2005 timeframe, talking to, you know, the four of us were sitting down at the dining room table going, I've spent $500,000 so far on, on the business. How do we feel about whether this is going to be successful or not, you know? And I was a little bit worried. And I remember we had this discussion that we had a massive opportunity in front of us and they were piloting at us. One of our big customers today, it's been with us 20 years, that has 90,000 devices, 90,000 vehicles. And right then we were feeling pretty good about it. But yeah, so we ended up then not ever raising money externally. Everything was kind of bootstrapped. $500,000 was kind of the low point of where we got to. So that was kind of the maximum amount of money that was put into the business. Now, when I reflect back on that, you know, a lot of people say to us, listen, it's amazing. You never had to raise any money. I don't know how you did it. But when I do look back on it, I don't want to say that that's right in every single case and it's always an accolade because what I will say is that it took us much longer being bootstrapped to get to where we were. When I reflect on it, you know, we held back the business for a very, very long time when it was really just five people in the company. And if we had been kind of more VC focused, we would have ramped the company up much faster. We would have taken on a million dollars, a couple of million dollars, and we would have hired sales and marketing and built the company up quicker. Maybe we could have been further ahead. So it's always a difficult trade-off. You know, it's easy in hindsight to kind of look at it, but you know, you never know what path walking down one path would lead you versus the other path. I mean, I'm very, very happy how things turned out. I couldn't have asked for anything more. Because I mean, today, the only people who own shares in Geotab are the people that work in Geotab, which creates a kind of interesting culture, right? You know, the way that the company works. So yeah, that's the story of how we avoided any VC funding in Geotab. It's really a humble beginning and actually a bit heartwarming to, from my North America perspective. And in fact, I think if you'd been an author, in addition to everything else that you've done, you probably would have quoted a book called Lean Startup at the time, because <laughs> yeah. I think you've established the Lean Startup principles probably a decade before it started to be the Silicon Valley thing to do. The other thing I'd add into there, Neil, is I think you would have been ahead of your skis in terms of technology at the time, arguably would have had to do a lot more development of stuff where later stages, you know, you can certainly use more off the shelf. So in some sense, you were probably growing it at the pace Moore's Law was supporting your ability to do so economically. But just again, my own kind of past looking perspective, and I've seen too many companies that get ahead of their skis relative to technology. So certainly it's easy in hindsight to say you did it well, but I think you probably would have been risky if you'd tried to grow it any faster during that time period. You know what? It is so true what you say. And it's something that I've been reflecting on a little bit. There's so many times in life, isn't there, where people recognize trends. It's relatively easy to say, okay, well, the world is going to have autonomous vehicles in 10 years, and this is going to change, and that's going to change. We understand that, but timing truly is everything, right? And the problem with kind of venture capitalism in, some, in one sense is, you know, you're giving companies money and you need to see a return. You can't wait 10 years for the return to show. So, 
getting that timing right is one of the hardest things in life to get right, but the most critical. And in a way, when we bootstrapped it ourselves, there wasn't any, you know, we were inexpensive, right? We, we were all kind of self-funded and we were kind of low cost. And so we could get the timing. We had more opportunity to get that timing right because we just went as slow as we needed to go. So you absolutely raise a very, very good point. Yeah. And a commendation to you guys for at least during that process you were going through, not being tempted by the quick growth that some of your peers might have been. I know you identify yourself in Geotab with fleet telematics, and that's probably both an interesting broad term, but also one that's a bit confining, I think, for what you really do. But for those not familiar among our audience, you know, with the space of fleet telematics, how do you define the space? And what are some of the key use cases and benefits? Yeah, so the way fleet management is defined is really anything involving moving assets, right? So our philosophy at Geotab is you cannot manage what you don't measure. And you're talking about workers in these vehicles, you're talking about safety of these vehicles, maintenance of these vehicles, allocating resources, right? And if I'm running a large fleet, I need to know that I have the right vehicles in the right place at the right time. And, you know, there's massive savings in terms of efficiencies that you can get by making sure you do that well. There's huge benefits in safety. You know, it's not just human lives, which is obviously the most important, but there's huge indirect cost to having a lot of accidents. And 4% of the vehicles in North American fleets have an accident in a year, even if it's just a bumper bashing. And if you can reduce that by 30%, there's enormous cost savings to be had there. There's compliance that you need to be able to manage as well. And there's regulations in the US and Canada around how long you can drive for and what you can do. And then there's sustainability, which is figuring out how we optimize our carbon footprint and how we move ourselves towards electric vehicle use. And all of those really encompass include fleet management. And that's where Geotab provides a set of services and technology to be able to automate all of that, to make that simple and practical for companies to do and embark on that journey. And so what's interesting to me is that you know, people talk about verticals and horizontals. There's not a lot of verticals and not a lot of cases where we go in and we say, oh, no, fleet management isn't applicable to your industry. Anywhere where you have one vehicle or more vehicles, and it really does start at one vehicle. You can have Joe's plumbing around the corner and they have one vehicle and it's great. They'll have telematics. And it goes all the way up to the very largest fleets in the world, 300,000 vehicle fleets, where effectively using this technology just to run yourself better. Even we saw what happened in the war in Ukraine, and you know, really they talked about the importance of logistics in the war, right? That the war is won and lost based on logistics. You know, for every combat vehicle, you have 10 times the number of logistics vehicles. And that applies to businesses too. You need to be able to be efficient, you need to be able to manage well. And so we're at the kind of heart of doing that. And you know, there's some amazing companion use cases. One of the ones that I think is quite interesting is New York City. So the entire New York City fleet runs on Geotab, and that every emergency vehicle, every fire truck, every school bus, every street sweeper, every vehicle involved in you know servicing and construction, and you know driving around the fleet. So there's more than thirty nine thousand vehicles in that area, and a city like New York needs to be able to manage that fleet. They need to be able to make sure that they're maintained. They need to be able to follow best practices. You know, are they keeping everybody safe? You know, if there is some kind of incident, can they manage it properly? So that's really kind of the heart and soul then of what we do. Yeah, yeah, we really see a, a great value in the benchmarking. Many operators 
focusing their time on their business operations, and uh, they they really need that uh, that assistance with helping them understand where they're meeting uh, benchmark and not meeting benchmark. Maybe let's uh, re- reach out into the future a little further. You mentioned autonomy, electrification. Uh, there's others like mobility, connected vehicles that are really changing the game, potentially, uh, let's say, next decade versus last decade. Uh, you know, Tesla kind of case in point is uh, designed the uh, software defined vehicle per se. And uh, so how do you how does Geotab see the market evolving? And also, how do you play as OEMs may be putting more and more technology on the vehicle over time? So I think, yeah, I mean, what. We honestly, if I kind of give you a behind the scenes look at the boardroom, you know, five years ago at Geotab, we were sitting in the boardroom going, yikes, we are worried the OEM threat is coming. You know, what is the future of Geotab if every OEM is going to compete with us in telematics? And so we really were worried at one point. And, and you know, a couple of years later, fast forward, we realized that the biggest opportunity that we have is our partnership with the OEMs. It's the number one thing that we have on our radar now um, in the company. And that's because, you know, the OEMs are good at certain things um, and they don't understand what the customers really need from the data. How do they operate their fleets? What do they do with their fleets? The other thing that's interesting is they don't really know what data to record. So we work very, very closely with the OEMs in many different ways. Um, some of the OEMs, for example, we provide our hardware as aftermarket. So if you go into a fleet of vehicles, you know, let's just say it's a bunch of Fords or GMs or whatever they are, and you have other vehicle types or you have, you know, vehicles that are not connected, Fords and GMs, that don't have their own OEM telematics, then Geotab is the device that's white labeled in, in some cases to be able to connect those vehicles. Um, we also teach the OEMs what is the signals that they need to collect and how do they need to collect it? We have a patented algorithm around, you know, it's called Curve Logic, which tells us how to record the data in the right frequencies. Um, and so we're educating the OEMs on how to do that, really trying to work closely with them. You know, honestly, the future of data collection does belong to the OEMs. They're the ones building the vehicles. They're the ones that have the engine computers that control you know, the body and the control, the engine and, and the user interface and everything else in the vehicle, they are the ones that can supply the data and they're the ones that should be supplying the data. And as you, you know, rightly pointed out, software defined vehicle is the way of the future. So they should own that space. And so we know that in five years time, 10 years time, that there really won't be much role for that third party device for, for new vehicles. Um, and it's just making sure that they have, we have open access to that data. We're working with you know, the, the OEMs on standards. So that we're a member of the W3C, which is that body that does the World Wide Web. And uh, many OEMs are on that body as well, trying to set the standards for connected vehicle in the future. You know, so these are companies like Volkswagen, Toyota, BMW, that are saying, listen, we know that it's important to have these open standards to connect data together. So yeah, I mean, OEMs, it's exciting to see you know, everybody's realizing the value of telematics and working very closely with the OEMs. I like the way you told the story really starting off with fleet telematics and now, you know, conceptually talking about fleet management. Um, when we think about IoT generally, we think about d- three different layers. There's uh, I connect to assets, I collect data from assets, and then we say correct. Effectively, that's where I'm doing all of the intelligence that you know ultimately will either give me insights or eventually to some form of uh, autonomy. 
And so I think it's interesting as you move that. You said earlier about sustainability, and I'd like to drill down on that one. You know, we've seen a hidden benefit of all connected assets, and connecting those assets is generally what you know the industry calls ESG or environmental, social, and governance benefits. How are you helping your customers achieve their ESG goals? Yeah. You know what? I, I sat and I thought about this a little bit. I did a bit of research. You know, the number one emitter of carbon globally is the construction industry, right? So there we're talking about cement production primarily. And there's not much that we can do about that. But the number two emitter of carbon is the transportation space. And we realized at Geotab that given our position as being the leading telematics company, that we're in a unique position to help companies on their sustainability journey. And the point is that vehicles are the ones that are producing the carbon. We're the ones that are collecting the data about how those vehicles are used, how to optimize those vehicles. So we have really more than a moral obligation to do everything that we can in the product to help companies improve their sustainability footprint. And what we've done is we actually originally had a group called our EV group, and then we had other groups that were focused on things like fuel and everything, safety and everything else. We decided to combine the group into one group called sustainability. We realized that EVs will take quite a while before they get into all of our vehicles out there, and it's going to take some time. And so in the meantime, though, there's a lot that we can do to manage and reduce carbon. So the very first thing that we do is we focus around you know, fuel management. How much fuel am I using? What types of fuel am I using? Which are my efficient vehicles? Am I using the right vehicle for the right job? Should I replace that you know, diesel vehicle with a better vehicle? And so a lot of work goes around you know, just you know, reducing idling. So that's all part of our sustainability team now because there is work that we can do with existing vehicles to reduce their carbon footprint. And then obviously, the next step is to think about how can we move the world towards electric vehicles? So you've seen that PepsiCo have just uh, recently got their Tesla Semi, which um, they're testing and really enjoying. Apparently, it's uh, performing very, very nicely. But the key point is what I mentioned earlier, which is around selecting the right vehicles for the right job. Because if you select an electric vehicle, doesn't have the right range, can't carry the right loads for a particular role, that project is going to end in failure. And then it's going to slow down the long-term adoption of EVs. So the very first thing that we want to do is we want to analyze the behavior of your entire fleet. We want to look at, all right, where are those vehicles going? What goods are they dropping where? What routes are they following? Where are they parking at night? And then our system called EVSA will go in, analyze that behavior, look at weather conditions, look at change in altitude, look at the types of vehicles available in your market, and then lay out a plan for you to say, these are the top 20% of vehicles that you should replace for EVs in your fleet right now. This is your ROI. So if you put those vehicles in, you're going to get an ROI in two and a half years or two years or whatever the number is, and then really help justify and prove to those people that they can take that big step forward. The very next thing is running an electric fleet. So we always say that, look, telematics we think is important for anybody who runs a fleet of vehicles, you should have telematics. But we think that for electric vehicles, it is essential. Why? Because you know that, you know, when you go and you fill up at a gas station, it takes five minutes. If you, for example, bring your electric vehicle back in the evening and you forget to plug it in for charging or you, the cable's not correctly seated and you think it's charging, you get back the next morning and that vehicle's not charged, it's effectively broken for six hours, right? And that's why 
You need to have telematics managing all of that. You need to make sure you have the right number of charges at the right locations, the right amount of power to your building. There's a whole new world that we enter into to make sure that we can make EVs practical. And then obviously you need to think about things like battery degradation. You know, batteries do degrade over time. When is the right time to sell the vehicle? What is the vehicle worth? And so you need to look at the full life cycle when we're dealing with all of that. And so that's really at its core, the sustainability features we're talking about. It's about making things better for existing fleets of gas vehicles by reducing idling and optimizing them and giving them better routing and, you know, making sure the drivers are driving less aggressively to be able to reduce fuel footprint. But it's also then focusing on helping fleets move as vehicles become available to the new world of EVs and running those EV fleets. Fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned something about life cycle management, and really we're seeing that movement and trends uh, toward, uh, say, life cycle fleet management. So what are you seeing, Neil? And also, I guess, in the final question, how are you positioning Geotab as a result of the changing market? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely we know that we're in a, an interesting time, right? I mean, the world is moving pretty quickly when it comes to the transportation sector. We've seen a bunch of disruptive things happening. One, we get COVID hitting and then all of a sudden everybody's buying everything online and we need to transport everything everywhere, right? So that's obviously a big disruption. We know that EVs are coming and everybody is you know, wanting to evaluate EVs and starting to, to deploy EVs. And then further on down the line, we have autonomous vehicles that we know that people are working very, very hard on getting autonomy going. It's maybe a bit harder than people forecast. But nevertheless, autonomy will be coming at some point. And so with all of those changes happening, obviously, as a company, we also need to make sure that we're there to address the changing needs. And that's really, again, being driven by data at the end of the day, collecting that data, helping companies make the right decisions about as they move forward in these progressive paths from one to the other to the next, that they have the data to be able to do so. You know, we see a role in Geotab in all these new worlds, a very powerful role on the EV side, even in autonomous vehicles. People go, well, what is the point of having telematics when you have autonomous vehicles? It becomes critically important, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you need to be able to schedule, manage, you need to be able to plan where those vehicles are and where they're going to be. So you're going to need telematics just as much. The other thing that people don't understand about telematics is they think that telematics is just about, you know, gathering the data off the vehicle. It's not that. It really is about... As you mentioned, the whole life cycle of the vehicle, it is managing employee productivity, it's managing safety, compliance, and it's fact, it's actually taking all of that data that those vehicles generate and pushing them into the machine of your business. You know, we imagine ourselves as a cog, right? We're one of the cogs of a hundred cogs in your company and our cog is driving, is turning, and we need to make sure that that cog meshes with other cogs so that we can feed the data about what your, your vehicle is doing, where it's going, what customers you're visiting, you know, what delivery you just made, feeding that data into the systems that run your organization. So your invoicing systems and your maintenance systems and everything else, and then helping you make those full lifetime decisions on when is the right time to buy a new vehicle? Should I sell the vehicle? Was the vehicle involved in an accident? Was there undercarriage damage? being able to control all of that really through those systems. So that's a big part of where it's going. We're moving away from telematics just being, where's my vehicle you know, now and looking on a map to really being operations focused. But how is this data driving the operations of your business? And that's really what I think the next five years is going to be focused around. 
Excellent. Look, in closing, we always like to ask, where do you find your personal inspiration? Yeah, that's interesting. This I don't read a lot of business books, to be honest. I like to listen to a lot of blogs. I think the best time for doing that is driving, and we'll do quite a bit of driving, and it's, it's fantastic. I'm going to make sure I bookmark this blog. So, yeah, I mean, I think for me, a really good book that I did read, and I just had dinner with one of the folks from Amazon, and they mentioned this book, Working Backwards, which is really how Amazon operates internally. And there's just no doubt that Amazon has been incredibly successful. And they've just got some interesting philosophies about small teams and accountability and You know, you write the press release and then you work backwards from the press release. And I just, I found it fascinating. It's one of the most interesting books that I've read. I must say, you know, in terms of me and inspiration, one of the things that's truly helped me along the way is I read for about an hour every single night. And the way that I get my news, and you'll probably laugh, but it's it's really off, off Reddit. I go and I go into Reddit and I choose the things that are the most important to me, being an entrepreneur the places that I live, my industries, everything else, technology. Um, And then Reddit gives me this kind of curated news. And then I spend a lot of time reading those articles, processing them, thinking about them. And to me, that's game changing. I'm always, you know, as a bit of an entrepreneur, you're always trying to think, okay, all this technology and all this work is happening to make things interesting. Where is the business use case here? Where is what are people missing? Where is the advantage that we can get from a business point of view? And, you know, that kind of stuff helps me think about that. So, yeah, that's where I get my inspiration from. Love it. So you're always looking for the so what in, in, in all news. You know, it's interesting working backwards. I have not read it yet. I will. Um, uh, yeah. But what's um, interesting is IKEA has always had a similar approach, working backwards from a price point that they set, right? And literally... Mm-hmm. Everything, all the design goes into that. So I'm sure there'll be some interesting parallels in this as well. And thank you for the plug on the Momenta podcast. It'll be nice to be linked on that one for you. (laughs) (laughs) So Neil, thank you for sharing this time and insights with us today. You're very welcome, folks. Thanks for having me. And uh, I really enjoyed it. As we did as well. It's really been very informative podcast and look forward to uh, hearing more from, uh, from you as well. So this has been Neil Kaz, founder and CEO of Geotab, and I'll add in the leader in fleet management solutions. Thank you for listening, and please join us for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you, and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.